Well, hello again, and welcome back to Divine Connections and the second part of our discussion about identity. I'm your host, Kelly J. Grace, and this is a podcast about connecting the truth you believe, God's holy word, to the life you really live every single day. We're coming up to another New Year's end. Yes, the very last week of the year has arrived, and with it comes the bright prospect of a new year kind of stretching out before us. And if you're like me, you love the idea of new beginnings and fresh starts. I mean, they kind of spark action and they stir up our energy, flooding us again with some optimism and some invigorating hope. And I think you can all agree, we need that. We need that now more than ever. So here comes a new year. And you know, I was, uh, I love this phrase that I heard last week about how to finish the year, because it seems like everywhere we turn, there's so much pressure at the end of the year to finish strong, whatever that means. And I laughed at the all too practical idea from Emily P. Freeman of just finishing regular. (laughs) I love that. So these two episodes on identity will help us to finish regular by making the simple choice to embrace being all that God intended we be without heaping onto ourselves the crushing expectations from ourselves and then from our culture that we become some variation of a self-made superwoman. I mean, you know, who wants that? (laughs) And it's impossible anyway, so let's just give that up. And I just want to mention these two episodes, part one and part two, they're really independent of each other. You're not listening out of order if you hear part two before you go back and hear part one, because the topic is the same, but the content is independent. So let's explore some more biblical truth about our identity. Listen in. You know, I also, I want to just inject here, I heard this little phrase from um, Paul David Tripp. I loved it. He said, we suffer from identity amnesia. We are identity amnesiacs, and we only can know it on the vertical plane, but we keep searching for the answers on the horizontal plane. So anyway, I thought that that was a nice way to say that we often forget who we are in Christ and what we've been given in Him. So because we forget it so often, I'm going to take a little page out of St. Peter's book and declare right here that my intention is to stir you up by reminding you of the truth, and it's most likely truth that you already know. The verses that we're going to cover today are familiar New Testament passages, but When we apply them to this topic of our identity, they help us understand why we sometimes feel lost and adrift from our God-ordained purpose, or we, we feel confused and insecure about our identity. So let's just real quickly review the four truths we touched on in part one, just in case you are listening to these number two before number one, okay? So in part one, we talked about the fact that from 1 Corinthians 4, 7, we looked there at the three questions that God asks us about our identity. And those questions are this, who made you to differ from others? In other words, who made you unique? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, why do you boast as though you didn't? So what we discovered there was we are created by God and 
anything and everything praiseworthy about us should bring glory to God. It shouldn't result in personal pride or self-importance. Then the next passage was Ephesians 2.10. You are God's masterpiece. And it's the same Greek word that we translate poem or, you know, a beautiful way that something is expressed. And it says we are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he intends that we pursue. So again, our own sense of identity will be revealed by what we do with our life, how we spend our time, our energy, and all of the resources, the talents, and the gifts that we have. It's that old adage that, you know, what we invest in shows what we value. Then the third principle came from 1 Corinthians 15, 9 through 10, where Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God. And the same is true for us. You are what you are by the grace of God, and God's grace to you is supposed to have an effect. Paul said the grace of God was not without effect in his life. It had a great effect. So we ask ourselves, what effect, what result has God's grace had on our life to this point? How has it shaped our thoughts, directed our energies, established our priorities, and defined our ambitions and our desires? That comes again from 1 Corinthians 15, 9 to 10. And then the last principle came from Colossians 2, 8 to 10, which tells us there that Christ is actually the complete fullness of the Godhead bodily, It that everything that is God was in him and that we are complete in him. What we take from that is that our identity Listen to this. Our identity is rooted in our relationship to Jesus Christ and his fullness. If you are full to the brim with God-designed potential, then the purposes that he has for you are in alignment with the same potential that he put into you. Do you get that? Your gifts, your abilities, your background, the life experiences you've had, the teaching you've encountered, how old you were when you accepted Christ, who has mentored you, how much you've made of what you have so far, all of those things feed into your potential. The Holy Spirit came to indwell you, and with that residency, he brought with him a spiritual gift, at least one and maybe more, to make you effective for whatever plan and purpose God has for you in your life. So again, all of our identity has to be rooted in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's based on the fact that because of his fullness, we are complete in Christ. So once again, the secret to blessedness and to an abundant life experience is in discovering how best to use the gifts and abilities, the God-given gifts and abilities that we have to fulfill God's purposes for us. It's not about 
finding something of our own and, you know, cultivating, as the world says, follow your passion. No, it's following God's passion. Let him put that on your heart. Let him fill your heart and lead you in the most natural of ways to the contribution that he wants you to make to his plans. If you do that, you will find true and deep satisfaction and joy limitless joy in your life. You're going to know. I mean, stop and think. Wouldn't it be awesome to know every morning when you get up and your feet hit the, the bedroom floor there, that today is a day where I can tap into whatever the well of potential is that God has put in me. And I can trust that he's going to bring along in my day those things that he wants me to do. And then at night, when you climb back into that bed and lay your head down, you can have peace that you accomplished another day in the chapter that God is writing of your story. You've used what he gave you to use. You've done what he wanted you to do. Uh, is there any more shortcut, <laughs> a better shortcut to peace, to a sense of deep meaning that nothing in the world can offer you than that, than knowing day by day by day. You know, we don't get to write like, you know, some authors can sit down and blast out chapter after chapter. Not us. We write one day at a time the story of our life. So as a Christian woman, sometimes, you know, we try to figure out what's our identity and we tie it to maybe an occupation like a career, or I'm a mother, I'm a wife, I'm a Christian wife, I'm a ministry leader, I'm a speaker, I'm whatever. None of those things are true about us, really. What's really true about our identity is that we are a new creation in Christ. We've been made in the image of God, but we've been remade in the image of Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 5.17. It says, if anyone is in Christ, she is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, when it says old things have passed away, it's talking about that old man, that man of the flesh, that carnal person who used to control you. He's been shut down. Now, he's still there. He still lives there, and he still wants to assert himself. But in reality, you and I, if we are believers in Christ, we are born again, and we are a new creation in him. So anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. That old life has been supplanted by new life, by a new creation. Peter says that it's by God's great mercy that we've been born anew to a living hope. Remember the story when Nicodemus came to Jesus and Jesus said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You know, as Christian women, we are those new creations in Christ, which means we can see the kingdom of God. We can discover what God is doing, at least the part of it he wants us to be a part of, day in and day out. When God made man, he made us in the image of God. 
The old catechism says that that means we are free to make choices, free to love, to create, to reason, and to live in harmony with both creation and with God. A.W. Tozer put it this way, Now a happy truth, too often overlooked in our anxious search for the will of God, is that the majority of decisions touching our earthly lives, in those decisions God expresses no choice, but He leaves everything to our own preference. Except for those things that are specifically commanded or forbidden, It is God's will that we be free to exercise our own intelligent choice. The shepherd will lead the sheep, but he does not wish to decide which tuft of grass the sheep shall nibble each moment of the day. In almost everything touching our common life on earth, God is pleased when we are pleased. Oh, I love that. He wills that we be as free as birds to soar and sing our Maker's praise without anxiety. The man or woman who is holy and joyfully surrendered to Christ cannot make a wrong choice, and choice will be any choice will be the right one. Tozer, he just had such a great understanding, I think, of God because he knew him so well, and he's telling us, Yes, God has specifically commanded some things. He has specifically forbidden some things. But in general, the multitude of choices that you and I make every day, you know, what am I going to do today? How am I going to arrange the things that need to be done today? What are we going to have for dinner? Should I sign the kids up again this year for soccer? Should I plan to go to that retreat? Should we have those friends over? All those things, God says, be free. Like the birds who fly through the heavens, you can decide for yourself what will bring you joy. So what was lost by Adam and Eve in the fall has been given afresh to you and me in our salvation. We are new creations in Christ, and we once again have access to God by faith through this grace in which we stand. And if you remember the creation story there, when it speaks about Adam and Eve in the garden, it says that in the cool of the day, the Lord God came and walked with them. Until that day that they hid from him. Do you realize we've just had Christmas? What Christmas gave back to us through the birth of Christ, through him coming into this world, taking on the form of a servant and offering himself as a payment for our sins, that you and I might receive redemption, forgiveness, justification salvation through him, he's returned us back to that time in the garden when you and I can walk with God. And I want you to think of that as you're maybe wandering into the kitchen thinking, what should I make for dinner? That's the cool of the day when the Lord, things are winding down. Let him company with you during that time as you do those routine chores and picture yourself like Adam and Eve enjoying God's fellowship late in the afternoon, early in the evening. It's just amazing to me that we have that access and we hardly ever take advantage of it. You know, we're indwelt 
by the Holy Spirit of God, by which the scripture says our own spirits cry out, Abba, Father. And we have received, the scripture says, the right to become the children of God by the very will of God. And if you add to that the idea from Colossians 1.13, that you and I it have been rescued, we have been relocated. It says, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we are strangers and pilgrims on this earth. I once heard this definition, a stranger is someone who is far from home. So no wonder we sometimes feel like we don't fit in. We don't. We do not fit into this world, into its philosophy, into its ambitions, into its way of being, because our citizenship is in heaven. And then a pilgrim is one who is on her way home. This is Philippians 3, 20 to 21. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject everything to himself. You know, I mentioned earlier Paul David Tripp and his idea that we so often are identity amnesiacs. We forget who we are. He also has a great phrase that I hear over and over again when I listen to him, he says we live between the already and the not yet. And because we're between those two, we experience the same struggle that the Apostle Paul talked about in Romans 7. Paul said he senses a war going on within himself between those two natures, between the two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of light, his new creation in Christ and his old nature. And he says that war between our flesh and its ties to this world and our spiritual inner man who is a new creation, that happened to him and it happens to us. You know, as the saying goes, the struggle is real. It is normal to feel it. It is essential to fight it. And in Christ, it is possible to win it, to triumph over it. You know, I just want to review quickly. Your identity rests on just three pillars of truth. And you'll collect them between the first and the second part of this topic of identity here in what we've shared. But the first one is that God designed and created you in your mother's womb for his own good pleasure. And you are what you are by the grace of God, which he intends that that grace will have a profound effect in your life. You are a new creation in Christ, and you are complete in him, lacking nothing that you need to fulfill his purposes for your life. Remember that passage, I think it's in Second Peter, that says, He has given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness through his great and precious promises. The word of God delivers to us, and the Holy Spirit who lives within us teaches us everything we need to live for God, to accomplish his purposes for our life, so that when the time comes that our life draws to an end, 
We will know. I mean, I love that when we read about the Proverbs 31 woman, it says, give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. You and I don't need to blow our own horn. We don't have to have the accolades of others. You and I live a life because God's pleasure is what's underneath the way we live. We are seeking that. As Paul said, we make it our aim always to be pleasing to him. If you do that, you cannot go wrong. You will, whenever your life ends, find that you have done the things he wanted you to do, and you're going to hear that well done, good and faithful servant. Okay, the third pillar of truth is that your citizenship, your home, is in heaven. And therefore, you are a stranger and a pilgrim on this earth. You are among them, but not of them. And so you'll always be battling that tension and that pull toward conformity until the day that you see Jesus face to face. And in that instant, the scripture says, you will be made like him, for you will see him as he is. What a blessed hope. I just want you to take, take this all in and remember when you feel that external pressure coming in to be something, to um, stand out before others, to, to be noticed by them, push that to the side. And remember that you live your life, really, I guess we could say with an audience of one, the Father Creator who made you. He's the one that you should want to please. And if you do that, I guarantee you, not only will this life be filled with blessing, but the life to come will be filled with reward. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would remind us who we are in Christ. Let us not be those identity amnesiacs searching on the horizontal level for something to define us, but let us instead draw it all from our relationship with you. Mm. Lord, inspire us with a vision of your purpose for us as your children, not that we ourselves would be anything, as John the Baptist said, I must decrease that he might increase. Oh, Jesus, that you would increase, that our light shining out would be the light of Christ, that people who are around us would take notice that we have been with you, that we are yours. That's what we want them to see, not anything about us. We want them to see you in us. So we pray let humility, that beautiful, beautiful meekness of Christ, adorn us, and may the familiar hymn give voice to our praise. To God be the glory, great things He has done. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening, and we're going to begin season two with um, what I'm calling a marriage sprint. We're going to have four short, powerful messages. I want you to not just listen, but where you find application, I want you to put this into effect in your marriage. 
Then we'll take ourselves in hand. In the next section, we're going to do four-week sprints. So the first one, as I said, will be marriage. The second one, we're going to take ourselves in hand and spend four weeks focused on the topic of self-control. We're going to lean into learning to tame our tongue learning to use our time well. We've, we've got four T's coming up. So I want you to be thinking about that. And then in March, we're going to take a deep dive into how we craft our own story for God's glory. We talked in these two um, last episodes about our identity in Christ and really that it reflects on what God has done in our life and the glory that comes to him through what he's created in us and what he's led us through and what he's walking us into in terms of purpose. So you and I have a story that we write day by day by day. I heard a writer the other day talking about writing a book and he said, all kinds of people want to write a book. The average book is 200 pages long. He said, start this new year, write a page a day, and before the year is two-thirds done, you'll have a book. And I thought, you and I are writing every day a new page in the story of our own life, in the story of our life in God, the story of our life as servants of God and friends of Jesus Christ. Let's make it a great story. Okay, you can find me on Instagram at Kelly J. Grace. And again, those resources for your spiritual growth are available on the website at kellyjgrace.com. And if you'd like to hear more about your identity, I found an episode of the Proverbs 31 podcast that you might really enjoy. It's called The Labels That Define You, and it's with Joe Saxon, who's an author. She's their featured guest. So I will see you in the new year and uh, hope that we make it a great one. Now, I'm going to tag on to this because before this got released, I realized that there was a glitch in getting them out. So these two episodes are going to drop, I believe, the first week in January, and we'll then compress our marriage topic. So I want you just to know you didn't hear that wrong. It just, you know, stuff happens in life sometimes, and things don't always go as we planned. But we're not going to let that stop us, are we? We're just going to keep on. So I will see you next time. Next time.